Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Highly Functional. This is Brianne Showman, and I am joined today again by Dr. Matthew Perry for another great conversation about many of the things most people don't want to talk about. As usual, we got on a lot of different tangents and talked about a number of topics. Whether you are an athlete, a clinician, or a coach, I think you'll find this conversation highly valuable. So let's tune in. Matt, thank you for joining me today. How are you? Hey, Brianne. I'm doing wonderful. We have a nice brisk morning here in San Diego. Uh, just got through with the holidays and all that kind of stuff. So feeling good, feeling energized. Awesome. <laughs> and you survived the holidays. Survived. Yes. Yes. This was a different one, right? You know, not as much, uh, you know, family and closeness. Um, but you know, I also don't hate, uh, not having any stress whatsoever on Christmas. We got takeout <laughs> Christmas. It was awesome. Oh, nice. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Very cool. Yeah. How was your, how were your holidays? They were good. I actually did travel. I did the, the thing that they're telling people not supposed to do, but I wasn't like, I did hear beforehand. They weren't really necessarily concerned about the travel. It was about the large gatherings. And I was kind of the outlier because my dad, my stepmom, my stepsister and her kids, they all see each other all the time. My stepmom babysits for the kids. So I was kind of the outlier of the group. <laughs> so I didn't yeah. feel totally bad about going. <laughs> yeah. Hey, we all got our pods and all that kind of stuff, you know, and, you know, it didn't sound like that was a 60 person COVID party or anything like that. It so. definitely was not. It was very controlled. <laughs> <and small. laughs> oh, man. Awesome. <laughs> well, let's dive in. Um, if for you who have listened in the past, Matt and I and another Matt occasionally just get on and talk about all the stuff no one's really talking about. So we are going to continue that today, starting with the conversation on like, you are not your test results. Essentially, we all, you know, we talk to the doctor who wants to do an x-ray or an MRI or whatever other test. And we decide when we get these results, a lot of times that it's like a death sentence or it defines us and it's not really true. And so we just wanted to talk, have that conversation a little bit today. So I'm going to let you dive in, Matt. Yeah, cool. Uh, I, I love that topic, you know, because uh, it's so important for us to, you know, have an understanding and kind of qualify what, you know, what we're seeing, what we're hearing with all of these imaging results, you know, um, you know, the first one that kind of comes to mind is, uh, I don't think I've ever seen any imaging result that didn't, uh, talk about some kind of arthritis in the body. Right. Um, and you know, arthritis is just a decrease in articular cartilage, you know, between some of your joints typically happens in, you know, knees, hips, uh, shoulders, and, uh, and then the back and, what we hear from people is, or from uh, medical professionals is, oh my gosh, you have arthritis. Um, I've heard, don't bend over again or else your spine's gonna snap. I've heard, uh, don't walk again or else your knees are gonna, you know, you're gonna need a total knee replacement. You know, all these uh, very, very alarming um, uh, phrases, you know, that, you know, gets my heart pumping a little bit too, you know, and I don't have any of that stuff. But, you know, we need to uh, take a step back with that and 
say, realize that, hey, like you working in the garden a couple days ago didn't cause this arthritis and make your spine, you know, all fragile and all that kind of stuff. You could have this your whole life, you know, and that's something I really like want to, you know, want to start with, like, you know, unless you had an x-ray, MRI, whatever soft tissue structures you're looking at when you were born or, you know, early in life, um, then we can't say that what, you know, that, that the images you're getting at 50 years old are, you know, because of what you did in the past, you know, couple of years, you know, could have had those abnormalities your whole life. And that's a huge thing to point out because I think that's forgotten by a lot of people and maybe even the physicians, or maybe they just disregard that fact that we don't have a comparison of when someone was like 15 or 20 years old. We only have this new image that's taken now, or maybe you got one 10 years ago because you were kind of having some pain and you're getting a new one now, but we, we don't know, like you have no proof necessarily that this hasn't been going on for 10, 15 years and you're just getting pain now. Absolutely. And so what are we really treating here? Are we treating the arthritis? Because we know aside from taking out a joint, that's not going to change. Or are we just trying to work on some of the pain that you recently got or getting because of your movement dysfunctions, right? That might be putting a little bit of load on, you know, into some of your joints in the wrong way. You know, so, it, you know, it's, it's a extreme, extremely important to understand the, um, you know, kind of, you know, efficacy of what, of what we're, what we're doing, what we're looking at. Um, you know, not that we're always chasing pain, but, you know, it is some likely a sign of some dysfunctions, to, you know, depending on the, the situation, right? Yeah. And, and we don't want to discount the fact that, like, there is something going on and that, Sometimes it is the thing that's causing pain, but I'm going to say the majority of time, it, it's at least from what I see, the majority of time it isn't. Um, like if someone has a herniated disc and they have back or they have back pain, they go find a herniated disc. Just because we rehab it and they get out of pain doesn't mean that herniated disc is still herniated. It just means the body's moving better and knows how to support itself better, so we don't have that pain anymore. Absolutely. And, you know, contemporary research is kind of, you know, speaking to these points that, hey, if someone has, you know, a, a lot of pain in their shoulder on their left side, we'll say, um, you know, their rotator cuff, sometimes they'll look at the other shoulder that's pain free, and they'll find that that was worse, you know, that is worse, right? Um, so extremely important to, uh, to understand what we're looking for. You know, I also don't want to discount that sometimes there are significant issues that need to be um, addressed and, and, and that warrant um, some, some, you know, potential surgical interventions, you know, things like that. But, you know, in my experience, and I'm sure in yours, that's very, very few and far between. The uh, American Academy of Orthopedic Surgeons is even saying, hey, we're doing way too much stuff, way too much surgery on our backs. You know, people don't need it. Go through some physical therapy first. Go through some movement correction. See if that helps. And if that doesn't help, now we'll go to surgery as a last resort, not as a first. Yeah, and I think along that surgical route, too, there's so many things we can attempt before surgery that, you know, are a little bit more than therapy, but not surgery. Um, like PRP, prolotherapy, things like that can resolve a lot of these issues. Um, I had a 
should say have, she's doing formal PT for a little bit right now before coming back to working with me virtually, but a runner I was working with had some hip pain. We had cleared up a lot of it, but it kept just coming back at weird times and triggering. Um, MRI showed atrophy in her glute med and a partial tendon tear. Um, when the physician that was doing PRP was doing the ultrasound and that, he found a bone spur, ended up breaking up the bone spur and her pain, like other than the residual PRP discomfort, her pain went completely away. Um, which like, I know bone spurs can cause pain and I'm like, you do too, but to have that be the only cause of it is really rare. Um, so that was a really surprising one for me, um, as a clinician to, um, to kind of, to hear that story, just to see like how impactful some of these things can be. So we don't want to discount scans by any means, um, as, Sometimes they are the result of pain, but when we just take that as it is what it is and don't look for other methods besides surgery, um, we can limit ourselves quite a bit. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and I, it's, it's really cool to hear a story like that, you know, that the, the medical doctor was not looking, you know, to do something surgical, but to break up a bone spur, you know, which I'm sure is a fairly non-invasive situation um you know so we're, we're, we're getting a little bit or a lot away from um significantly from uh the disablement model and going more towards the enablement model right you know as opposed to you know oh everything in your body is broken <laughs> um it's hey like some of this stuff is like okay let's try like this you know um, breaking up the bones for us, do some PRP, um, and then see how you're feeling. And, and yeah, that's, that's a really interesting case. Um, I hadn't, uh, I hadn't heard something like that. Yeah. When she emailed me about it, I was fascinated. I was like, well, at first too, I was like, how do you break up a bone through with a needle? I've never heard this before. And she actually sent me the article that, um, this actual physician had put out maybe 10 years ago, um, about it. And yeah, it was pretty interesting. Wow. Um, that's, that's another thing, you know, I, I, I know you are a uh, fan um, of PRP for your own rehabilitation for some, some areas. Uh, would you mind talking a little bit about it, you know, and uh, your experience from a, from a physical therapist perspective? Yeah, absolutely. It's been pretty fascinating to go through as a therapist, just to be able to experience it. I guess, first and foremost, like PRP is a great it's not for everything. It's not going to solve all problems necessarily, but if there's partial tears, if there's still some connection there that we can heal, it's a great option for soft tissue injuries. Um, is it the most comfortable thing to go through? Absolutely not. Um, I will <laughs> fully admit with it in my foot and my AC joint, I definitely had the tears come to my eyes and no, I was not attempting to cry. <laughs> um, and walking and moving around for the first 24 hours were, was not easy by any means. But to, for the purposes of avoiding surgery, avoiding the surgical rehab time, um, avoiding that weakness that is caused because of surgeries and mobilization and all of these other things, um, like I'm a huge proponent for PRP, at least to try. Like, I think what people don't understand is yes, PRP is out of pocket. Totally get that. It can be expensive. 
but rarely are surgeries covered 100%. Like I know a lot of people who it's like they had surgery and they still have to pay eight to $10,000. Um, I know people, I've talked to people who have gone through formal therapy that didn't work for them through their insurance and still ended up paying two to $3,000 because insurance doesn't cover everything. So I think we have to keep in mind that like things like PRP, prolotherapy that are outside the norm from insurance companies, outside the box from what most physicians are talking about are highly, highly effective when it comes to the healing process and allowing the body to heal naturally rather than through a surger, through surgical methods. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. And, you know, while we're talking about that, let's talk about the future cost. We'll talk about just to your body of having surgery, right? When someone is physically cutting into you, you know, that causes a host of other, other problems uh, down the road, you yeah. know, because now these muscles that, you know, are designed to be, you know, uh, for all intents and purposes together, <laughs> you know, we have our cross bridges and stuff like that, but you know, like they're, they're now completely lysed and, and, and cut apart and sewn back together. So guess what? Nerves don't work again. You know, I know there's a um, huge movement in the pelvic floor community to, to stop doing those kind of um, uh, super uh, invasive surgeries on, on, um, on women when they're giving birth, right? Because the pelvic floor doesn't work anymore. So you want to talk about cost, I'd much rather front something out of my pocket, <laughs> um, something that I can replenish later on, which is money, than uh, something I can't, you know, down the road. Yeah, and along the surgical line, too, I think, like, what a lot of, so, I should go here, like, meniscus surgeries, like, very common surgery, they go in, shave that meniscus to take out what any, whatever is torn and clean it up. What's not told to the patient, though, is that knee's not going to be tracking properly anymore. It's going to be loose, or there can be some laxity in there because of it. And down the road, where it's not a you might need a knee replacement, it's going to be you're going to need a knee replacement because it's just going to continue wearing abnormally. Yep, um, absolutely. And, uh, you know, I, I also think, you know, with uh, especially meniscus surgeries, they can be absolutely like take someone's pain away 100%. Um, but the research also suggests that, you know, um, they sometimes aren't, um, or I'll, I'll say it this way. Uh, one research article came and said it is kind of a 50, 50 split that it would heal the meniscus or, or, you know, cause more problems or, or, or not help at all. Right. Um, so do you want to flip a coin? You know, if, if flying was a 50, 50 shot that you would die, <laughs> you know, would, would you be doing that? <laughs> or would you at least put some, some significant thought into it? <laughs> yeah. I, uh, a while back I interviewed an elite level OCR athlete on, here on the podcast who had labral tears, both hips surgery insurance. I, he only had surgery on one. And I think it's because insurance was only going to pay for one at the time. He did surgery on one, just therapy on the other, same exact outcome. Wow. Yeah. So it's like, now there are instances, same thing with well, our instances where rehab does not work for a labral tear and you need to have surgery. It happens, but like, why not try the conservative route 
first. Yep. You, you can always cut later, right? You know, you can never be uncut for lack of a better phrase. <laughs> can't reverse that surgery. <laughs> you can't reverse it. <laughs> um, so yeah, you know, we just, we just need to uh, put some thought into it. We need to understand that at least with our current technology, you know, this isn't quite like McDonald's where, you know, you kind of go in and out um, of surgery and are, are good, you know, um, there are some, some implications. Um, so absolutely try something conservative and then slowly progress to um, something else. You know, at least you've given it a shot and you can feel comfortable in your, um, in your decision. Yeah, absolutely. And that's the biggest thing. Like if you want to have surgery, cool, go for it, but just know the implications of having surgery, what that recovery time is going to look like, what that time off is going to look like. Um, and then future, what potentially could happen because of it. Yeah. Um, and speaking of, uh, and it, it kind of, kind of, uh, what uh, your story with the uh, person who had the bone spur uh, kind of sparked is, you know, I had a patient who was in a traumatic car accident and uh, I don't know if you've ever heard this one before, Brianne. She uh, completely fractured her scapula. Okay. Um, I had not heard um, of, of something like that before. Um, when what, but what they did, uh, they were like, we can do the surgery, we can cut in, um, you know, cut all your, your periscapular muscles, all that kind of stuff, um, and do whatever they need to do to fix it. Or they could just kind of wait and see. Um, I obsessed her. Um, she's a year out from her accident. Um, I finally uh, got in to see her and yeah, uh, she has a little bit of winging in her scapula, but for the most part, everything is like really intact and, and everything looks really good. There's some weakness and some coordination issues, but that's pretty minor compared to, uh, to all that. So yeah. did they immobilize her for a bit to let it heal? So what she said was, um, she also fractured some ribs. Um, so she was in a brace for her ribs. Uh, she said for the shoulder, not really, or for okay. the scap, um, not really, which was interesting uh, to me, um, considering how like traumatic the, the event was, you know, a car accident. But, yeah. um, I've heard of them being, I've never seen one, but I've definitely heard of scapular fractures before. Um, I'm just surprised that they want to mobilize it to make sure like, any bone land that stays put. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> doesn't move. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. It's interesting. We're, we're trying to get all of her um, uh, uh, kind of post-op reports and, you know, um, everything that they did. Um, Cause we're now kind of a year out. Um, and she, she had never really seen physical therapy until, until me. So uh, to be continued with that, I'll, I'll keep you posted. Uh, yeah. Very, very interesting case. Definitely. One thing that's really interesting with traumas, now to go that route a little bit, is I had, I had, this is when I was still working in the insurance world, a guy who basically should have been killed, motorcycle accident, hit by a car. Um, they, I found out later, he found out later, actually, the person from the city was called to the scene. He's only called to the scene when they suspect a death. Um, but so he had a lot of fractures, but for his leg, um, significant ankle fractures and surgery later on, some stuff was starting to show up at his knee. And it just got me like, 
kind of thinking about the whole trauma process and what they do, like in the ER, they're going to find like those most damaged things and fix them. But it doesn't mean that up at that knee, there's not some ligament laxity that happened between that tib fib or, you know, and that there's just all these other things that aren't addressed surgically with traumas just because with traumas, they're looking at the most life and death situation things and things that are most that need to be have that most attention that triage yeah absolutely um they you know they prioritize the life-saving stuff which is good they're putting the the stints in the uh you know the open heart surgeries and things like that but um but yeah you know and then it's it's kind of a you know wonder why as someone gets pretty you know far from from their traumatic event, you know, why they start having all these other problems, right? Um, you know, another one I see a lot is um, is frozen shoulder mm-hmm. as a kind of sequela from a traumatic event that is irrelevant of, you know, a shoulder injury, you know? Yeah. Um, and how the body responds to that, you know, it's a protective mechanism. Um, I mean, all of this stuff is a protective mechanism. Um, so, you know, that's why we need to make sure we're doing the right questioning, not just the macro of what someone went through, but also kind of dig in um, with their permission, of course, you know, of, of all the nuances of that. And that's a perfect uh, opportunity or, you know, a, a perfect kind of segue into like what we, uh, what you and I do, right. You know, it is a full body approach. It's not just, Oh, we have orders for the shoulder. So I'm not even going to look at, your shoulder blade <laughs> right <laughs> you know <laughs> um you know we can look at it from a top down you know bottom up approach right and god forbid looking at the elbow to find out why that lack of motion might be contributing to a shoulder issue right <laughs> would have thought it's almost like it's all connected or something huh <laughs> <laughs> that <happens. laughs> oh, that's awesome <laughs> <laughs> oh Now let's take a quick break to talk about Equip Foods. Equip Foods is a supplement line, but what I really love about them is their products are made with 100% real food products. There's no fillers, there's no chemicals, there's nothing artificial in it. So everything that you are putting into your body when you consume their products is good for you. And they don't just have the normal protein and pre-workout type supplements. They also have products for decreasing inflammation, for joint health, for circulation, for all sorts of things that just help you be an overall healthier person. So go check out everything Equip Foods has to offer at equipfoods.com. And at checkout, if you use code FIX, 15, that is F-I-X-1-5, you can save 15% on your order. You can also get a link to Equip Foods and all my other partners at getyourfixpt.com slash partners. And now let's get back to our conversation. Yeah, you know, as, as far as, um, you know, people kind of kind of going through uh, traumas, you know, have, have you seen, you know, some, some off-the-wall, you know, stuff, someone fell on their shoulder and now their opposite ankle is, excuse me, isn't moving the way it should be, you know, or, or, or some, something like that. 
Off the top of my head, I can't think of anything specifically that I've seen as far as that goes. Um, I mean, we both know there's compensations that happen with the body, especially with those cross patterns. So um, I'm kind of to the point that I'm like, anything's possible. Like any injury you have, it might be related to the other injury that you had 15 years ago, (laughs) just because compensations happen or scar tissue happens or just like... You know, you do take a fall. You don't realize what you did to your other hip and ankle in that process of that, of that impact. And there's just so many things that are related that we don't realize. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. You know, see people who come in with, um, you know, kind of that general, you know, um, a new American posture with that forward head rounded shoulders for, you know, 60 hours a week you know, um, for 10, 15 years, right. Um, significant, uh, cervical spine pain. And then, well, guess what? Their hip, they're starting to get some stuff with their hips. Right. And then started getting some stuff with the lower body. And it's like, well, you know, talk about it all being connected, you know, you're compensating, right. You know, as your shoulders elevate towards your ears and your neck, you know, turns to one side or another, that's having an influence on the rest of your body. Right. Yeah. Actually, do have an interesting one, and it could. I know, like, we still don't know enough about COVID to know, like, what joint, muscle, skeletal, like, discomfort stuff it causes. So it could be COVID related. But I have a guy who had COVID in June or July, one of the J months, um, <laughs> and he had low energy. He pretty much like passed out for eight hours, didn't move. He was on his stomach, head turned, arm up overhead. And several months later, developed elbow pain on that same arm. And talking about how everything's all connected, he went to someone else for therapy for a period of time. The guy only focused on elbow and forearm, didn't clear anything up, started seeing me. I was like, well, let's take a look at the shoulder, the neck, the upper back. Started addressing, especially because he was mentioning, like, he would go hiking and have this pain. Like, that's not elbow. Um, <laughs> and so as we started working back up and neck, like things started calming down. He, that sharpness wasn't there anymore. Um, and so it's even simple things like that. Just being in a position that you don't think about as being abnormal because you always sleep on your stomach, but you're there for a long period of time. Like it can trigger stuff. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I think we talked about it maybe on the, I think it was on the, the last uh, podcast, right? What, what is comfortable for you isn't always the correct thing that, you know, and the thing that you should be doing, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, sleeping, yeah, with your arm all, you know, um, all over the place or, you know, I, I get a lot of people come in. Um, they, they like sleeping with their arm under their significant other. Right. Um, and doing that for, you know, a couple nights is fine, but now you're talking about years and years and years of doing this stuff. And then they come in with shoulder pain, neck pain. Um, it's like, well, you know, maybe if we just kind of tweak this one thing, I'm assuming it's not the most important thing to them, you know, to, to, to do that, then, um, we're already on the right track and they're feeling significantly better. Um, But, you know, that kind of stuff, again, can only come from proper, you know, questioning and really taking some time with it and going outside of the box of, ouch, my shoulder hurts, only look at my shoulder. 
Yeah. <laughs> I think sleep is such a hard thing to mess with too. One, because when you're asleep, your body just like you turn without knowing it. And so sometimes like you'll just end up in that position because that's where your body's comfortable or like sometimes there's people who can only fall asleep on like there's only one side they can fall asleep on. And so they have to go there. And so there's, there's just so much when it comes to sleep that it's finding that balance. Cause we know sleep is when the body heals. So we want someone to get good quality sleep, but we also don't want them to continue to flare things up <laughs> every single night <laughs> they're sleeping. Yeah, absolutely. It's that, it's that fine line. And so, yeah, what do you, you know, what do we say to the person who um, can only sleep on their left side? Um, you know, um, every night. Right. So, um, you know, and, and since we're kind of in the new year, that's a great opportunity to kind of start talking about some of this, uh, incremental change in new year's resolution. Right. There we go. <laughs> so, <I> mean, <laughs> like, you know, when, when we have someone who, you know, um, has to do something a certain way or has been doing something a certain way for so long, you know, it's like, okay, well, I'm not telling you to do the opposite, sleep on your right side when you can only sleep on your left um, 100% of the time. But how about, you know, in the middle of the night, if you're nice and comfortable, get off of that left shoulder, if this, you know, you have the shoulder pain. Um, kind of that whole 1% better every, every day thing, right? Absolutely. Those incremental changes are huge. Like before you, like you don't realize how drastic of a change you can make throughout the span of a year or even just a month by making those small incremental changes. Yeah. It's, it's huge. Right. You know, and, um, the flip of that is you have no idea, you know, why you are not, um, able to, to, uh, to establish your habits and really make change when you're trying to do it all at once. Right. Yeah. You know, so you have to build it up over time. Um, what did they say? It takes, was it, 66 days or something like that to, to, to form a habit. Something like that. I something hear all those like numbers that. thrown out all the time. Yeah. All right. I know I hear it too. I need to actually, you know, um, to look at the hard science with it, but we'll, we'll, we'll say at least a couple months. Yeah. You know, um, so do you think it's sustainable for somebody to on January 1st who hasn't ever ran, you know, hasn't ran the past 10 years to now start running two miles a day? Absolutely not for so many reasons. <laughs> <laughs> One injury, but <laughs> yeah. If you need some of those reasons, please refer back to the previous podcast. That we got <laughs> awesome. No, yeah, no, it's 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 really important uh, that that we give our our body time to adapt and all of that, right? You know, um, most physical therapists are our biggest. Um, um, biggest month as far as patient load, you know, tends to be, you know, like February, March, something yeah. like that. And why is that? Because everyone starts their New Year's resolution. Great. The body's very resilient, so it can hold up for about, you know, 30 days or something. And then it starts breaking down because they are overloading their system consistently every day. All right. And I think, like, the reason that I this is the reason I don't like New Year's resolutions. This is the reason I don't like a lot of those, a lot of the challenges that get thrown out is because it's making a very drastic change. Typically it's usually making several drastic changes all at the same time. And it's not sustainable. And even if you sustain it for 
two or three months, like it's just not something that's sustainable for a long period of time. Most often, like some people can maintain all of those drastic changes um, or at least figure out like what works for them, what doesn't, but more times than not, it's like, all right, this challenge is over. I'm going back to what I was doing before, or they don't even make that challenge or the time frame that they wanted to make because it's just so much changed so fast. Yeah. Um, you know, you, you know, hit the nail on the head so much changed so fast. Um, you changing your diet, you know, changing your fitness goals, changing, you know, um, you know, something, oh yeah, that's the other one, waking up early. All of a sudden, you know, January 1st, we'll say most people are sleeping in, <laughs> but January 2nd, right now I'm going to wake up at 4.30, I'm going to eat one piece of kale a day <laughs> as my meals, <laughs> and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start training for a half marathon. <laughs> you know, that's, that's so much, introducing so much into your body, um, it's, a, it's a cocktail, right? A cocktail of, you know, of stuff which you know are not all you know in isolation bad things but all at once can um uh can can lead to you not you know being successful in it right i know me personally and i'm sure everyone's different but for me personally like if it's a challenge and or if like it's a like some sort of like scheduled quote unquote challenge. And it's like, you have to do it for 30 days or 60 days or whatever it is. Like to me, I get to a point that's just like this, like the first part's easy. And then it becomes this like work because it's like something I have to do versus something I get to do. And it's like, it almost sets up this like, this is also why I'm not a huge fan of a lot of the data devices, a lot of the wearables, because you get so honed in on all of these numbers and these things you have to do or these goals you have to attain that it's no longer fun. You no longer get to do it because you're just so stressed about all these things that like these numbers you have to meet or obtain. Yeah. Um, the, uh, um, the whole wearable, you know, thing that says one, every person has to have whatever 10,000 steps and stand for six hours and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, not only is that not specific to each person, <laughs> um, it has its own problems, but yeah, you know, um, as far as sustainability and just enjoyment, you know, if, if I'm really enjoying my Netflix movie or whatever, you know, and my watch is telling me to stand up and move or else you're going to, you know, implode or whatever it is. <laughs> you know it it, it it it's no longer um no longer fun no longer enjoyable and that's a great point health and fitness and exercise and all that stuff should be enjoyable you know some days you're gonna have to drag yourself out and that's normal with anything you know but um you know more days than not you know if if you if you feel like you have to drag yourself out you're probably not doing the thing that uh you know, you really should be doing as far as, um, you know, enjoying something and, and sustaining it. That's a great point. Yeah. And actually the podcast that, um, I did recently with the owner of zero shoes, like he even says, he's like, like his big thing is moving, but also having fun. He's like, if it's not fun, he's like, stop doing it and do something else. And 
and I think there's a lot to that. Like if this workout challenge you're doing isn't fun, like figure out a different workout to do, figure out different eating habits that are still healthy, but work for you. Um, like it has to be something that's enjoyable for you, for you to sustain it. It does, you know, um, you know, I, uh, throughout, you know, just my fitness career, being strength conditioning field for, you know, about, you know, not 10 years, you know, I've tried a lot of the fad diets just to see what it's like. So I can, you know, talk to people, um, in an, you know, semi-educated manner about it, you know, and, you know, I tried, uh, you know, vegetarianism, I tried veganism, I tried paleo, I tried keto, I tried a whole lot of things, you know, um, I fell off the wagon with a lot of the other stuff. Keto worked with me because I love bacon and I love, you know, really fatty, <laughs> fatty meats and stuff like that, you know? Um, <laughs> so that, that was perfect for me, you know, that, um, same thing, you know, for someone else would be absolutely disgusting and they would never do something like that <laughs> because they like their cars or like their whatever. So um, you have to find something that, that works for you. That's funny. I'm with you, not on the bacon part, but nuts, seeds, avocados, I can eat those all day. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Right. Um, I think fat is the like, you know, gift from a higher power. Truthfully. <laughs> <laughs> One other thing I want to dive into today, I saw a comment and it kind of triggered my, my thoughts the other uh, couple days ago, is coming back off of injury. So like a lot of times people are off maybe seven, eight months because of an injury, um, maybe longer because they're dealing with things for so long they haven't found answers. And you can't just be like, okay, this injury's gone. So two weeks later, I expect to be at my goal again. Like, the the person I saw this post from, I loved how she laid it out. It was like, it, I was off for seven months. It's going to take me probably seven months to get back to where my goal is. And we really have to think about that, that like the amount of time you're off, it's going to take at least that long typically to get back to where you were before, if not longer. Absolutely. And that for, for, you know, I see a lot of people who deal with chronic pain and that is one of the first things I talk to them about in our evaluation immediately. It's like, Hey, you know, I'm no miracle worker. Your body is not going to just change overnight. Um, can we be in agreement that, you know, you got to this point to seeing me a year after an accident or after something you know, um, you're not going to be back to 100% in two weeks. We can make those incremental changes like we were spoke, speaking about earlier, right? You know, take that, you know, 10 out of 10 disablement that they're feeling and try to cut that to an eight in a couple weeks, but it's not going to be a zero. And um, I, don't, I don't care, you know, who you are, or what profession you're in, that's, that's likely um, maybe to happen maybe one time in your career, if you're very lucky <laughs> for someone to go from a 10 to a zero. Right. Um, you know, so it, it's, it's, um, you know, again, that, that, that conversation and that understanding, you know, between the clinician and the patient, um, what, um, what the, the, the trajectory of this is going to be like, I'm sure you're very much like me where it's like, Hey, this is where we are. This is where we're going to be we would like to see these, you know, um, these things over these next week, few weeks and, you know, whatever, whatever prognosticators you have. Um, 
but this will show we're on the right track. But this also doesn't mean in two weeks you're going to be running a marathon again. Yeah. Right. You know, and just to go back to, we were talking about my PRP earlier, just to kind of go back to that. I got out of my boot and started being able to start training in some manner in early August. We are now in early January. I'm finally at the point that I can do, that I can run with a little bit of a walk still in it, just over three miles. My workouts are definitely slower than what they used to be. My strength is actually coming back a lot faster, but like being that before I could go run 10 miles, like with not even a second thought and make it pretty easy. Like I have a long ways to go to get there. And so, and like I'm at five months right now since I've been back. So it's like, it takes time. Yeah. And, and you know what to do and are doing all the things, you know, yeah. you know what I mean? Um, <laughs> um, yeah, so it, it does, but you know, um, and I'm sure, you know, your mindset and what's kind of keeping you moving forward is that, Hey, like, am I at that 10 miles yet? No, but am I a heck of a lot farther than I was a few months ago? Absolutely. Right. And so it's that mindset um, that's, that's, that's everything, you know? Um, and that's the difference between you enjoying what you're doing and you just falling off the wagon, you know, even despising fitness, right. You know, doing something extreme like that. Yeah. Um, and, and, and I, I see that in people, they, they're not lifting what they used to. And now they, um, they were very avid in fitness and now they despise it because their back pain or, or whatever the case is, it's been going for so long. Yeah. And I think it's also important to mention, and I've been dealing with this myself, is when you're coming back off of injury, even as if you're working with a coach or a therapist or someone who's helping you transition properly, flare-ups still happen. We're testing our bodies on load. We're testing our bodies on volume. And it's kind of like, it's a balancing act of figuring out like where your body is, what it's going to tolerate, what it's not. And so there's been weeks that I completely flared myself up because I did a volume that I thought would be okay and it wasn't. And so I had to back off for a couple of weeks again to let things calm down and continue focusing on strengthening, like focus more on strengthening the foot and that rehab process. And so there's a lot of ups and downs that happen with this and it's not a bad thing necessarily. It's just a thing. Um, like we've said in the past on some of these other podcasts, what Dr. Zana says well is pain is information. Like, and it's our job then either as for you as the athlete or the coach or the clinician to figure out like, what is that pain telling me? And what do I need to do? If anything for it, you know, look, LeBron James or any other professional athlete who is the best, you know, in, in their, their domain have, people they're paying millions and millions and millions of dollars to, to make sure that they are at peak performance. But guess what? They're not, um, you know, setting records every single day, every single game. Right. You know, um, it is, it is human to be, you know, um, have your, your quote unquote ups and downs. And in the, the rehab realm, you know, we like to think of rehab as being just this linear, you know, um, progression, you know, at a 
45 degree angle, okay, as time increases, I'm getting better and, you know, all that stuff, right? But, you know, more times than not, it is somewhat of a squiggly line, something like a what a child draws, <laughs> where you got up, down, around, you know, loop-de-loop, -loop, you know, all that kind of stuff, right? Um, but that's just, you know, that's the body's response uh, to healing, right? Yeah, that and changing up the plan too. Um, I had a runner very recently, she's in the Midwest. So she had been running barefoot on grass as we were transitioning her back to running. And well, then it got cold and snowy and barefoot on the grass was not gonna happen. Um, she got, so she got shoes, zero drop shoes. Um, but because the snow was on the ground, she had to go to asphalt or sidewalk. And all of a sudden it's like, her pain, what she felt prior, like that same pain was back. And so we had that conversation. She's like, you know what? It might just be adapting to the harder surface. And a couple runs later, she was perfectly fine. So like even just changing what you're running on or like terrain, like simple things that we don't even think about can impact how our body responds to it. Absolutely. And, you know, that was a um, great, great point, you know, with, um, with your runner, like, you know, that, that feeling of, oh, it hurt. So that means the pain's back. And I'm like going back where, you know, it, it starts this whole um, yeah. you know, negative belief cycle. You know, it's like, no, that's not the same pain you're having, you know, could it be that it's an ache instead, or if that pain is just because your nervous system is still really, really in shock from what initially happened, right? You know, there, there was that great um, quote, um, I believe it was David uh, Butler, uh, or a story, you know, he was walking through that Australian outback, got bit by a snake, it was poisonous, he almost didn't make it. A couple years later, he's walking through the outback again, he stepped on something, he uh, heard a huge crash, and he thought it was a snake again, he was already on the ground in agonizing pain, realized he just stepped on a branch. <laughs> <laughs> but our you know it brought remember. back those, what'd you say i said our bodies remember yeah absolutely so we need to discern that you know no it's not the same injury that that just happened it's just you um your your body responding and and, and healing and getting to know itself again right yeah absolutely it's pretty interesting too i've um i've read a couple different books on emotion and how our traumas hold emotion and and it's really interesting like it kind of that same thing like our bodies remember whether it's the soft tissues or the nerves or whatever um, our bodies remember what happened to us in our past and if we don't have healthy ways to respond to that and clear out those those shocks and those traumas like then things happen later on and things trigger us without us realizing why they become skeletons in our closet right you can only have so many before they start falling off. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so yeah, you know, um, always, you know, handle that trauma. And, you know, sometimes uh, this is, you know, um, something that's important. Sometimes that could be beyond, um, you know, a, a physical therapist scope, right? You know, sometimes this is something that, you know, um, someone or someone needs to see a, psych, a psychologist, psychiatrist, um, and work in conjunction with the physical and the mental, right? You know, we kind of become people's therapists and everything, but, <laughs> um, you know, um, 
it was uh, it was interesting. I had a patient a while ago. He uh, he had significant chronic back pain. It's been going on for like five, ten years or whatever. What he kept telling me was, and I yeah, it took me a little bit to kind of to learn it, uh, learn what he was saying was, oh my my wife keeps making my back hurt. My wife is you know giving me agony and grief and things like that. And, you know, at one point it really kind of peaked and, you know, we kind of started just broadly talking about his relationship with his wife and stuff and they had a very poor relationship. So we referred him out he went to uh, therapy, you know, um, you know, psych- I saw a psychologist, I believe. Um, he wrote me back. Hey, I feel so much better. My back pain has gone away like this, that and the other, you know, so that's a very powerful thing as well, right? Yeah, absolutely. We can't solve everything if it's something else that's causing it. Yeah, there's something <laughs> that's, very, that's perfect. Perfectly like that. Awesome. Well, this has been an awesome almost hour. Matt, if someone wants to talk to you, find you, where can they find you at? Um, I'm most active on uh, Facebook, although I'm on Instagram as well. Um, if you uh, you know, Google or Facebook, Auto Nest Therapies, that's A-U-T-O hyphen N-E-S-S, therapies with an I-E-S. Um, you should be able to find me on on everything. Please, if, uh, you know, if someone found some benefit from this, uh, please, you know, reach out. You know, we love doing this and, you know, we um, we hope to, you know, help, help as many people as possible um, through this. So, so please reach out. Awesome. Thank you again for your time today. And we'll definitely do this again in the future. Thank you so much, Brianne. Take care. I really hope you enjoyed this week's conversation on highly functional. Before I go, I want to talk to you about my rope climb training program. In order to climb a rope efficiently and effectively, you need both strength and proper technique. If you have one without the other, it's gonna be a lot more difficult to climb, you're gonna use a lot more energy, and you have more chance of failing. So if you wanna be more efficient with your rope climbs in order to have more chance of success at your next race, pick up my rope climb training program. You can check it out at getyourfixpt.com courses, along with all my other online programs. Thanks again for tuning in today, and now it's time to go out and be highly functional.